0: last week we talked about the discipline of God we talked about how uh, this idea that discipline so often is a is a bad word in our context of our culture in the context of our uh, our conversations no one likes to be disciplined and we talked about what that looks like we talked about why God disciplines us his children and the reason we were in Hebrews it tells us that he disciplines us because he loves us He disciplines us because he looks at us as his children, because he is our father. And he wants to make sure that he corrects us and and makes us more like him, shapes us into who he wants us to be. And so we walked through that last week. We talked about that why. We talked about that important understanding of what uh, he does. Today, what we're going to do is continue the conversation, and we're going to talk about uh, the what of discipline and the how of discipline. Like, Like, what does it look like? We talked about why. And now we're going to talk about the ways that he does that, and we're going to talk about uh, how he does it, what he uses to discipline his children. And the first thing we've got to understand is that the way uh, that God disciplines his children, how he does that, he does it through his word. God gave us this book that we can read, that we can study, that we can learn from, that we can be guided by, so that we will always know exactly what we need to know. It is the manual for right living for all children of God, for all Christians, for all believers. Everything that you ever need to know, not only about the Christian life, but about life is found in this book. Now, some people would argue and say, you can't learn everything that you need to learn about life in this book. The answer is yes, you can. You can learn about how to deal with financial situations. Go study the book of Proverbs for a little bit. Go in the book of Matthew a little bit how to raise your children. Again, man, you can find the truths there. How to walk through difficult times. It's all right here. How you can be a good uh, employee or an employer. It's all right here. How you can be a good dad, a good mom. Right here. How you can have all of the things that you need to, to learn how to, to walk through life and navigate the difficulties of life. It is all found in this book. Everything that we need to know, everything that we could ever need to learn about how to live The Right Kind of Life, it's all found right here in this book. So God gave us his book as the manual for right living. And so when you talk about well, how does God discipline his children, he disciplines us through his word, and I want to share with you this passage today to kind of prove that, to prove that point, and then talk about how we can actually relate that back to the the ways that he disciplines his children. Now you remember, I told you last week, the reason we kind of did this out of order, like the why, why does he do it because he loves us, is so that you would come in here today with the mindset that discipline is not always a bad thing, that actually this is something that is good if we look at it the right way. So let's jump into this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to begin with Verse 14. And we're going to read from there. It says this, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now listen to verse 16. It's a familiar verse. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want to read this out of the New Living Translation as well, because I want us to get get a clear picture of exactly what it is that God's Word is telling us. Verse 14, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach uh, teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good thing. Work now. I read this from two different translations. I, I read this from uh, the, the New King James Version and the New Living Translation for the purpose of making sure that because it is a familiar passage that we have that understanding. Uh, all of my scripture memorization, all the verses that I've learned, going all the way back to childhood, all the way up to current day, I memorize scripture out of the New King James Version. I, I've done that all my life, and so when I hear. Uh, Passages when I uh, reminded of passages, and and when someone says, "Hey, you know, what does what does John three sixteen say?" When I quote it, it is almost always right out of the New King James Version because that's what I've learned through my entire life. Now, I use the New Living Translation as well because I want to take what. God has allowed me the privilege and the opportunity of studying and memorizing through my many years, 52 years now of life, but I also want to make sure that I use other resources to help me have a clearer and a deeper understanding of what it is that we learn. So that's why I read both those passages, because it is a familiar passage. Now, the reason that I read both of them today is because it talks about that we have learned these things from childhood, it says, It says these words that you've heard, these things that are found in God's Word, you've heard them from the time that you were a child. And you can trust them, you can believe them because you trust the people who've taught them to you when they taught you right out of God's Word. Now, last week, you remember, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, in fact, I want to read that real quick, just one verse, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 8, it says this, if God doesn't discipline you uh, as he does his, uh, all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Now, I want to set the stage here, make sure you get this right up front, everything that we're talking about here all of this idea of discipline that we're talking about here comes from the context and the idea is that God is our Father and we are His children. That God is our Father and we are His children. And because He is our Father and because we are His children, God's purpose and God's plan is to shape us and to mold us just like we as parents would want to do with our own children. Now, for those of you who are parents in this room, I I hope and I pray, and I'm sure you have, That from the very first time that you brought that child home from the hospital, you began thinking about what you needed to do as a mom or as a dad to make sure that you train up that child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? And we all taught our kids like what they're to do and what they're not to do. Uh, We've all, you know, helped them understand that in in different settings, in different circumstances, in different places, they're to do things the right way, in a different way, in a certain way, so that they don't get in trouble, so that they don't end up hurting themselves, so they don't find themselves in a situation where they don't know the way out. We've all done that. My mom and dad did that with me. Some would argue they didn't do a very good job. (laughs) Yesterday, uh, Sherry showed me something that was on Facebook, and uh uh, Mark Roberts, who was here at Liberty many years ago, posted a picture of me with my dad when I was about, I don't know, maybe like 10 years old, maybe 9 years old, something like that. I had fire engine red hair, and, 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 and my dad had slick back hair, you know, that beautiful 70s hairstyle that's so awesome. And, um, and it was a picture of my dad and and, uh, and me together. And, and people were commenting, and, and Paula Johnson actually looked at it and said, oh, that little red-headed Jonathan, he was a handful. And other people were like commenting but they knew me back when I was a kid. So some would argue that my parents maybe didn't do a good job. Maybe it's the fact that when I run over air conditions in my house with a car at 13 years old, my dad laughs. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't really know. But we all have an idea and a picture that as fathers and as mothers, <clears throat> our job Our duty, our responsibility is to bring our children up correctly, to teach them right, to show them what is right, so that they will actually end up being better people down the road. Do you get that context? Shake your head if you get that. You understand that. So God is our Father. We are His children. Hebrews 12, 8 says, Be worried if God doesn't discipline you as His children. Why? Because maybe you're not His child at all. And so I say that to say this, everything that I am talking about today from God's Word is clearly aimed at those who are followers of Jesus Christ. The the way God disciplines His children. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, we prayed for you a moment ago. And I want you to listen to what we're talking about here today because there are great truths that are found here And I pray, and we prayed a moment ago, I'm praying that God will speak to you today to help you recognize and help you see that there's a God in heaven who loves you, that God loves you so much that he couldn't imagine, as we sang about this morning, he couldn't imagine spending eternity in heaven without you. And so God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, to pay for your sins, to pay the punishment that we should have paid that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again three days later and he did so that by simply the fact of us believing in Jesus trusting in him calling him our savior that we'll have that promise and hope of spending eternity with God our father so let's talk about today the three different ways that God disciplines his children there's only three different ways there's lots of formats there's lots of things that it looks like we'll talk about that in a little bit but there's really only three ways that God disciplines His children, that God disciplines us. And the first way is just simply this one word, instruction. God disciplines us through instruction. Why does He do that? Because He wants to teach us right from wrong. Go all the way back to when you as a parent, or maybe you as a child, when your parents began teaching you and showing you the things that are important, like this is how you do this. And this is the way you do this, and, and don't step out in front of the street without looking both ways and don't put your hand up on that hot stove and and, and don't try to eat all of that without chewing it up right or, or or don't you know don't go underneath the sink and pull out some of those bottles underneath the sink that that, that say like Clorox or whatever and take a sip of that or, or you know, don't do that because it will hurt you right We have this idea that we instruct, we teach our children so that they will actually Understand what it means to to live the right way. So instruction is the first way that God uses to discipline His children, and this is good discipline. I mean, this is the kind of discipline we don't mind. Like like we get, we're glad that our parents taught us not to put our hand on a hot stove, right? We're glad that our parents told us to look both ways before we cross the street. We're glad that our parents taught us lots of those things like that. Look what it says again in verse sixteen, the first part of that verse. All Scripture. All of God's Word, the entire Bible, it says this, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And so this is the idea similar to to what we do with our children. My four kids, Uh, from the first time that they began understanding and hearing and, and talking, we were able to kind of communicate with them more than just little babies, you know. I mean, we, Sherry and I, spent our lives teaching them what is right. Like showing them the things that they needed to do and how they needed to do it to make sure that they didn't make mistakes, that they didn't do things wrong. When we traveled as a as a family on vacation one year out to the Grand Canyon, and we were walking up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, and many places in the Grand Canyon, there's no fences around the, the edge of the canyon. I mean you can walk right up and you could stand like right here and look down like thousands of feet. And you can be sure that as a dad and Sherry, as their mom, I mean we told our kids very clearly. Do not go too close. You know, don't, don't, don't got to run up there. I mean, we've got to be very careful. We held their hands. We, we held tight to them. We did get a picture. We said, we walked up to the edge and, and we sat down on the ground and we, we slid up. And it was kind of funny. People thought we were nuts because we would actually, we sat down like about four feet behind the edge of the canyon. And then we just kind of shimmied up. We slid up and then just barely let our feet hang over. So we look brave. And, and we took pictures, you know, we got somebody to take a picture of our family like that. I'm sitting there holding with my arms around my kids, like very casually, and yet they would tell you I had a death grip on those kids holding on to them because they're kids, right? They'll lean forward, they'll look down, it's like, this is cool, you know, and all of a sudden they're dropping 2000 feet. I mean, I had a had death grip on those kids to protect them. It's what we do to teach our children what is right. This is good discipline. God uses this to teach us. How does he do that? He teaches us through His Word. When you read through the Scriptures and it tells us what we're to do, what we are not to do, it's there for a reason. And by the way, anytime you're reading God's Word and it says, do not do this, you know, it tells us very clearly, don't do this, don't do that. Oftentimes we read that as kind of just like information. It's not just information. That is discipline. When God says, do not kill that is God setting boundaries in our lives to keep us from doing what is wrong, right? That, that's discipline. See, we always think of, remember what we talked about last week, we always think of discipline as somebody, like punishment, like we're being hit, we're being smacked down, we're being, you know, spanked for what we've done. Discipline is not always that way. Discipline can be rules, boundaries that are set in place, that this is what you're to do. And so this is good discipline, Right? And so when you read God's word, it is full of discipline for his children to teach us what is right. It's why it tells us that God hates the lying tongue. God tells us, do not be untruthful. Don't lie. Why? Because it will harm us, right? And so God is constantly through his word teaching us through instruction, discipline. This is what you are to do. And so instruction is the first way that God uses to discipline his children. The second way after instruction is correction. The second way of discipline is correction. Now this is the bad discipline. This is the kind of discipline as a parent or as a child when we came home, this is the kind that usually led to being, you know, sent to our room or, or, you know, having to sit in the corner or getting a timeout or a timeout is what we do now. Back in the old days, I never got a timeout. My parents didn't understand the word timeout. I, they, I, they, they didn't have that back in those days. They, they had, rather than timeout, they had, you know, buckle up, I mean, you know, get ready. Um, different day, right? I mean, it's a different day. And I, our kids today have it so good. So, you know, you, some of you guys understand, right? How many of you like, like that are like, let's say 30 and older, how many of you 30 and older got a timeout when you were a kid? yeah so young people look around you got it easy baby we didn't get timeouts back in the day so so correction is the second way that God disciplines his children right so this is actually the the form of punishment this is like actually where we we find ourselves being corrected for what we've done wrong now look what it says here again verse 16 second part of the verse and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives to make us realize to help us to see what is wrong in our lives the, the new king james uses the word uh, reproof and when you look at the uh, the original greek language the word reproof it literally is to correct what is an error so like when you make a mistake god's word is given to help correct us when we've made a mistake now listen when i was a kid i made a lot of mistakes i shared with you last week one that i made you know, I was a 13-year-old kid going out and jumping in the car, starting it up, and deciding I want to learn how to drive, figuring I could do it on my own, right? And so I'd jump in the car, throw it in drive, and hit that gas pedal, and forgetting the whole thing that, you know, there's a reverse there that would have been a better plan because the house was in front of me, not behind me, ran into the house, smashed the air-conditioning unit. I mean, you know, so I did something that was wrong, right? And so all of us in our lives, we all do things at times where we're doing something wrong, where we need to be corrected, where we need to be reproved, where where someone needs to say, you have made a mistake and punish us for doing so, so that we won't do it again. Which, by the way, is always the purpose of God's discipline. God does not discipline us to hurt us. God disciplines us to shape us. And see, so often in our context, in our culture today, we, we twist this idea of discipline that we don't like to be told what to do, that we don't like to be corrected when we're wrong because we think that people are trying to hurt us, they're trying to harm us, and we, we, we have this wall that we build up against discipline because we have this idea that it's a bad thing. Remember last week, we talked about discipline is always a good thing when it's done the godly way because God disciplines, not us, disciplines us not to hurt us but to shape us, to form us, to, to mold us into the plan, the perfect way that God wants us to walk through life. So this is the idea of correction. God does punish us for what we do wrong. We're going to talk about that in a few moments, how he does that, what ways, what forms that he uses in order to, to punish us. But this idea so often out in culture today that prosperity gospel this idea that that you know that, that our god just wants us to have everything and god's up sitting up there and he's got like you know he's got like a big santa bag over his shoulder and he's just man he just wants to pull it out throw the stuff down and it's all good it's all good it's all, do whatever you want it's all good no god punishes sin god cannot tolerate sin when we live our lives in direct opposition to god's word you will pay a price for that now you will not pay the ultimate price christ has already done that thank god God gave, we've talked about it multiple times today, God gave his son Jesus to pay for our sins, paid in full. So we know that we will not pay the ultimate punishment, the ultimate what we deserve for our sin. But yet when we continue to live in sin, when we do those, uh, do those things that, that are in opposition to God's word, yes, we will pay a price for that. There is always consequence to sin. We don't get off scot-free because of what Jesus did on the cross we have to pay a price. So that's the the way that God corrects us is through correction, right? The the word reproof. He, He corrects us, and God's word gives us the idea, the picture of what that looks at. Now, the third word, third way. Remember, only three ways that God disciplines his children. The first, instruction. The second is correction. The third is protection, that he actually does something to protect us. And the reason that we so often in life have these borders, these boundaries that God puts into our lives is so that we will be protected from harm because I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we live in a world that is full of tragedy. We live in a world today that is full of sin. We live in a world today that is full of brokenness. We live in a world today that is messed up. We live in a world today where Satan has already told us that his job... His responsibility is to seek out all of us. He prowls around. He wants to devour us, right? You know that's what Satan's plan is. God's word is very clear about that. So again, what does this passage say? Verse 16, last part of that verse. It says, it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good thing. Work. So remember now, instruction, good discipline. Correction, bad discipline. Protection, smart discipline. This is what helps us to, to make sure that we stay on the right path. God uses discipline to actually make us more like him, and better in our walk. Now, here's the ultimate example of that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 7 and following, it says this. Paul, uh, Paul, writing, "'Even though I have reze- received "'such wonderful revelations from God, "'so to keep me from becoming proud, "'I was given a thorn in my flesh, "'a messenger from Satan to torment me "'and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord "'to take it away, and each time he said, "'My grace is all you need. "'My power works best in weakness.'" So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, it says, then I am strong. This is the idea that God uses discipline to keep us from harm. And listen, if he did it with the Apostle Paul, you can guarantee you, if he needed it, you need it. If Paul needed it, I need it. That passage we just read very clearly, you still heard what it said, right? Is that Paul, because of all that he was able to do and all that he experienced, because God revealed to him things that the Bible even says that are unspeakable, things that he couldn't even talk about because it was amazing. He saw things that he should not, as a human, he should not have seen. And so it says here, because I had all those amazing revelations from God to keep me from pride... God allowed Satan to put a thorn in my flesh. And I begged God to take it away. I begged God three times to take it away. And he didn't. Because God said, nah, I'm all you need. So do you see the protection that comes through discipline? Paul's thorn in the flesh was discipline. It was discipline because God knew that if he did not have that thorn in his flesh, in that thorn, whatever it might have been, whatever that was for him, that if he did not have that, that he would have struggled with pride. That Paul admitted here that he would have struggled with with being proud and being boastful and and bragging to people about what he was able to do and what, what God had allowed him to see and what God was allowing him to be a part of. And so God used protective discipline To stop him from doing what God knew Paul would do if it were not there. Make no mistake, many times God will put things in your life to keep you from doing what you are naturally inclined to do that will ruin your testimony, that will harm your walk with God. That's protective discipline, it's a smart discipline. Now, It may not be smart in our view, in our context, I can guarantee you when Paul begged God three times, take this thing away, you know, I mean, obviously he wouldn't have begged for God to take it away if he thought, man, this is a really good thing. I'm so glad it's here. That thorn, I love that thorn. Anybody ever like, you know, had a thorn like in your finger or maybe you stepped on it or something, man, it hurts, right? Do you just say, you know what, oh, that hurts. I'm just going to keep walking around. Oh, it hurts, but man, it's good for me. I'm going to keep doing it. Nobody does that, right? We take it out right away. Randy, I'm sure in all the things that you've done, lots of times you've done it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, we get rid of it as fast as we can because it hurts. When you get a splinter, when my kids, when they, were, when they were younger, they'd get a splinter, man, they would cry and they would run and they would find tweezers and they'd come to me and they would make me take it out right then and there. I got to be pretty good at it. I was, it actually was something that I enjoyed. It was kind of it was kind of fun. Dig in there, you know, and pull that thing out. Um, man, we get it out of there because it hurts. So you know Paul didn't like it. Paul didn't think it was a good thing. Paul wasn't excited. Man, I am so lucky because God put this thorn in my side. Man, I am thrilled that I get to walk through life with it. No, he begged God to take it away. So it's not always smart in our view, but it's always smart for the long run. So God disciplines us through instruction. He disciplines us through correction. He disciplines us through protection. Those are the ways, so now just briefly, let's talk about the what's. Like just a couple of questions here that I know are running through your mind, they're running through my mind a lot. Like how does God discipline us? Like actually what does he use? So here's some questions for you. What does God use to discipline his children? Does he use pain? Yes. Does he use suffering? Yes. Does he use hardships? Yes. Does he use sickness? Yes. Does he use financial difficulties? Yes. God uses all of these things and many more to discipline his children. And so some people would say, well, then what what kind of God is that? What kind of a loving God is that? That God would use those kinds of things to discipline his children that he loves so much? It's the same kind of love that I have for my children when there were times that I actually had to spank them for what they've done wrong. And I know there are people sitting out there thinking, I can't believe that he spanked his kids. That's awful. I spanked my kids. I happened to read God's word that said, don't clap, that's awful. Like, yeah, baby. Where's that paddle? God's word says you spare the rod. It's like you hate your child, right? I mean it's clear, yes. And so yet when I when I did those things, it was painful. And it hurt them and it hurt me, and I hated it. And it was the worst thing ever. I never looked forward to it. I looked for every opportunity and every reason to get out of it. There were times that I was like trying to make, you know, weasel my way out of actually disciplining my kids. And Sherry, like the bruiser in our family, she actually was going to discipline me if I didn't discipline them. (laughs) And and so so I hated it. I didn't want to do it. But man, sometimes you have to do why. Because if you don't discipline your children... It's as if you do not love your children. That's not my words. It's God's word. So does God use these things to discipline his children? Absolutely. Prosperity gospel preachers just say no. If you have sickness in your life, it's because you're not living the right way. You're not doing something right because God wants you to have everything. He wants to just give you money and he wants to give you health and he wants to give you, you know, happiness and he wants to give you, you know, everything you ever wanted. If you're, so, you're messing up. You're doing something wrong because that's not, that's not true. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. What does it say in verse 30? It says that when you come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, it says this. Some of you, as a a result of that, some of you are sick and some sleep. You know what that means? That means some of you are experiencing physical pain and suffering and sickness because you're not living the way you're supposed to live. And some of you have lost your lives as a result of your sin. Does God use pain to discipline his children? Absolutely he does. Now, question, does he use all of these things with all of us? No. He doesn't use all of these things. I know this. I've met some people in my lifetime who are some of the most godly, amazing people that you could ever want to meet, and they suffer uh, sickness, financial difficulty, challenges. Burns me up when you hear prosperity gospel preachers say they're doing something wrong because, man, they're living, they are living closer to God than anybody I've ever met sometimes. And yet they suffer and they go through difficulty and they get that report from the doctor that they've got cancer. Don't tell me that they're doing something wrong. We live in a broken world and God understands the world in which we live there are times that that, the the stuff that we face the pain the suffering the sorrow the the the, the sickness all the financial difficult it's not discipline sometimes it's just a result of the fact that this world stinks And this world is full of horrors and tragedies and sin and problems and pain and death. And sometimes what we go through, we don't go through because of discipline. We go through because we live in a world that is broken. Thank God, because of the gift of salvation, that this world is not all that there is. So does God use all of these with all of us? Absolutely not. Are all instances of pain and suffering a result of discipline? No. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. Here's the the key. How do you know the difference? How do you know if you're going through a difficult time, whether it's discipline or whether it's just the fact that we live in a broken world? Here's what it all comes back to. Verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is given and inspired by God to teach us what is right, to correct us when we're wrong, to show us the way to go, to make sure that we understand who God is and what he's done, so that every single one of us will be perfected for the work that God has for us. You ask the question, how do I know if I'm being disciplined by God because of this trial that I'm going through? Is it discipline or is it just a a matter of fact that we live in a broken world? Man, get back to God's word, and here's what I will tell you. The, The more time that you spend studying God's word, the clearer the picture will be of what you're going through, of what you're experiencing. Does God discipline his children? You bet he does because he loves you. Does God use a lot of the things that we've talked about today? Absolutely, why? Because he loves you. But I can tell you the reason he does it is to drive us back to his word. Because when you spend time studying God's word and then put it into practice and living out God's word, I can guarantee you, you will quickly, clearly understand When those difficulties show up, did I cause it or is it caused by this world? All because you've spent time learning what God has to say. So listen, just get into God's word. Become more like him. Be holy because he's holy. Run after him in every, every situation, every moment. Spend your time talking to him in prayer and God will reveal to you everything that you need to know. There are times people ask me the question, this person's going through a difficult, you know, is it something that they did? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't have like a you know, crystal ball. Oh, if you look at there. You know, last Thursday afternoon, right right there. See, the, yep, yep, there we go. I, I don't know. But here's the cool thing. You can know in your own life because God's word was given to show us, to teach us, to guide us, to direct us, to change us. And make us exactly what he wants us to be. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we even thank you for the times that it corrects us. God, for the times that it disciplines us when we need it. Because we all do. There's not a person seated in this room today that doesn't need to be disciplined by God. And we thank you for it. Because we know according to your word, if you didn't discipline us, then we would have to be fearful of whether we're even your child or not. And so God, we welcome your discipline. And we welcome your discipline because it helps us to make us more like you so there'll be less discipline in the days to come. God, so that we can be shaped and molded the way you want us to be. So God, I pray that in our hearts, our minds, our lives, God, that we will walk the walk that you want us to walk, running after you, knowing that your word is the answer to everything that we go through. And God, we give you praise for that. God, I know there's some people here watching, listening that that maybe don't know you as, as father. They may have heard about you, they've, they've maybe talked about you, maybe they've heard many sermons, or maybe this is the first that talks about God, our Father. So God, I pray right now that you would help to illuminate in their hearts like what that means, that God so loved the world. Personalize it. That God so loved them, that you gave your only Son for them, that he died on the cross for them, and that he rose again the third day for them. And if they will only just believe in him, they will not perish, but have everlasting life. God, I pray that right now they'll make that decision that changes everything. And we give you the praise. With their heads bowed, with their eyes closed, in a moment we're gonna stand. Our team is here. We're gonna to sing together. And when we do, I am encouraging you that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. I'm telling you, This is it right here. Today I've talked about God the Father. God wants to be your Father. God can only be your Father. He can only be your God when you come to the place where you recognize and believe in His Son. Jesus said, John 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And so today, if you've never done that, I encourage you in the next few moments, you make that decision that changes everything. Maybe you want to come to this altar, leave a prayer request, kneel here and pray with one of our team members. Maybe you want to come and join our church, come for baptism. Whatever God is telling you, whatever God is saying to you right now, I encourage you to to respond to that. Because God, when he talks to you, he does it for a reason. Because again, God knows what's best for us. So let's stand right now. Let's sing together. And as we sing, I encourage you to step out to come to this altar right now. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only. And that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with Him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear, and that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, He gave His only Son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves, what an amazing gift that really is. God loves you, Christ died for you, but three days later, He rose again. And when He came out of that grave, He gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's words, very clear, what we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that He died and that He rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans ten 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves.